This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, it's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as we talk about the events that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation. And obviously, as we all know, uh, dramatic events are taking place, uh, particularly in terms of dramatic infringements upon our freedoms, our, our, our constitutional liberties. In some places, the uh, Constitution is being completely ignored, and those are things we all really need to face up to and um, acknowledge and um, do whatever we can in our own spheres of influence, our own individual lives, to push back against these efforts to inhibit our constitutional freedoms and to push back aggressively and make sure that we do what we can do. And uh, we don't always, there's always, there's always a, a, a specific game plan of that. Maybe a lot of it will be just us following our own instincts and getting the courage to do that. But we must push back and continue to advance the cause of our constitutional freedom and our constitutional liberty. And of course, there are many reasons why things uh, have unfolded the way that they have in our country, uh, some powerful reasons and some, um, you know, we have some obstacles that are not going to be easy to, to, to deal with, to confront. But we're, I mean, that's no excuse not to, not to do what we can do. And I guess, and as we know, the story of America, um, that is the story of America. You know, ex- ordinary people doing ex- extraordinary things when confronted with extraordinary circumstances, um, and overcoming, uh, overcoming massive obstacles and oftentimes being the underdog, if you will, oftentimes confronting things that seem uh, and challenges that seem to be insurmountable. And so that's what we, we've been tasked to do right now. And that's what we're going to have to do. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about on our program today for the most part. And then as well as most likely in the foreseeable future, I do want to share something with you. And, uh, and also, we look forward to being joined by friend Vito Fira from Network Sound and Video later in our program as well. Of course, we're making that transition from cooler weather. Um, I don't know if we can quite use the word winter here in Central Florida, but from cooler weather into full-blown spring weather, and that means spring cleaning. And Vito's got some great ideas for you um, as, 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 you begin to, as we begin to uncover uh, a lot of these things we have stored in a corner or in a closet um, or in boxes uh, in our in our house or apartment. But before we go further, of course, I want to acknowledge our, our friends over at Christopher's Prime Steak and Lobster and let you know that the great guests you hear on our program are presented by Christopher's Prime Steak and Lobster. Christopher's is where you'll find generous servings of prime cuts of beef and Australian cold water lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. Get them. You can make your reservation now at 407 645 Four four, four three, and I do want to report back to you. Spoke with Jim Flanagan recently over at Christner's, and he wanted to say a thank you to all of you for the great turnout that Christner's had over the whole Valentine's Day um, celebration. And, and at Christner's, it was celebrated, uh, you know, days in advance and days after Valentine's Day. There, in fact, they were actually open on Sunday, uh, with Valentine's Day being on Sunday. Uh, which is um, very rare for Christmas, but um, they had tremendous turnout during Valentine's Day season. 
Valentine's season. They wanted to thank you for the for your confidence and for keeping Christmas top of the mind when uh, for your very important celebrations. And they appreciate uh, the visits of all of you. And they asked me to share that with you. So let me kind of start here. I'm two books I want to mention briefly when we talk. One is a book called The Ruling Class by Angel, Angelo Code Villa. And that's been out for several years now. In fact, I learned about it uh, on the Rush Limbaugh program. And it was amazingly insightful when I read it, began to read it several years ago. It was almost kind of prescient at that time because a lot of the things we're seeing that we're in full, that are in full bloom now were just on the fringes. We begin to just kind of identify. And what I mean by that is how the elite class in our country have now become pretty much full-blown left wing and have embraced the left the culture of the left, uh, I would say a globalist uh, mentality. We're seeing evidence of that every single day, a political correctness mentality. You know, um, the big news of the last day or so has been Mr. Potato Head now has fallen victim to the politically correct crowd. And um, there will no, no longer now be Mr. Potato Head because I guess that's uh, offensive that the fact that he's uh, referred to as Mr. or that there's specific gender is mentioned there. That's one of the big politically correct things taking place now on the Democrats' agenda is um, to do away with gender. <laughs> so if they thought that they could, and they're making efforts to, to at least pretend like they've done that. And Mr. Potato Head has fallen victim to that. But that's just a, you know, a, a brief example of, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, if somebody would even have brought that up, maybe even a year ago, not to mention five years ago, it would have been laughable. It would have been a, a, um, an example of the, the theater of the absurd. But this is the world we're living in now. Major corporations, major Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 corporations have embraced this lunacy of political correctness and globalist uh, and leftist cultural way of, of life. And, and it's, it's um, you know, obviously of touching, us, touching us and affecting us dramatically in our own lives. Back to the book, The Ruling Class by Angelo Code Villa. And basically his premise is, that we have evolved in America away from a political and cultural culture that's left versus right so much, you know, liberal versus conservative, Democrat, uh, liberal Democrat versus conservative Republican, to a culture that's more of an inside outside. And using Washington, D.C. As, as a prime example, in fact, I had actually begun to notice this myself. In fact, you know, Grant Malloy can, can be my, you know, can, uh, you know, support me on this because I used to talk to Grant about this kind of thing. You know, in, in recent years, the politics, if you will, of the country have evolved to where it's basically Washington against the heartland. By that, I mean the Washington liberal Democrats versus the heartland and the, the Washington, quote unquote, conservative Republicans against the heartland. And so that the pa- the people on the inside, in fact, the never Trumpers are just prime example of this. The, the never Trumpers are just a quintessential example of this concept. So that what you've got are people that have, you know, have, have invested in their lives, not to mention uh, untold amounts of money to get these, uh, adv- you know, go to the quote unquote right colleges, the elite colleges, the Ivy League colleges, you know, other elite, you know, institutions, you, you know, colleges that are considered to be elite, you know, they and, and then and not only and then get advanced degrees and PhD degrees and go into academia and write books and become part of the the chattering class, if you will, on on television and commentators on MSNBC and CNN and Fox News, etc. And as these people have evolved, and many of them get 
big time government jobs. And then they uh, at that point, they, they, they go back and forth between government and the private sector and, you know, obviously live a very, very influential in, uh, life and and live a life that's, uh, you know, quite um, affluent. Um, in terms of you know what the income they generate from writing whatever books they have or from their appearances on Fox News, CNN, etc., their big government jobs. Not that those are that big paying, but, but essentially the way that system works is um, when you come out of a good uh, a, one of these influential government jobs, you know it's uh, usually you can um, you go right into the private sector at some uh, top level. Um, executive position, or, or even uh, you can build a consulting practice um, where you've got a long list of Fortune 500 companies as your, uh, or even a lobbying practice uh, where you've got a long list of Fortune 500 uh, and Fortune 1000 companies uh, on your client list using the contacts you made when you were in government. But anyway, my point is, is that the people inside the beltway, if you will, the elites, you know, primarily centered in Washington, but of course, they're at other places as well, usually along the East and West Coast, academia, of course. Now, more increasingly, this didn't really used to be the case, but now increasingly more in the business sector, corporate America um, is now part of the, the ruling class, and they're, they've thrown in with academia and uh, you know, the liberal Democrat uh, political agenda, inside Washington political agenda. Um, but basically the point is that it's more of an inside-outside ball game than it is a left versus right ball game. And once again, using the, the Never Trumpers as a prime example, what was one of the core driving missions of Donald Trump experience, if you will, um, into the public arena and as president? It was that he stood on the side of the people. He was that voice of everyday Americans, people just like you and I, who were not in Washington. We don't have 40 to 60 hours a week to devote to politics, to you know, advancing um our agenda, which our agenda is just mainly just to live our life and be left alone by the politically correct crowd and by the globalists, uh, which obviously we can't do that anymore uh, with COVID as being the being the smokescreen for all that, um, for taking away our rights. So, but Trump was positioned himself firmly on the side of Middle America, however you want to define it, the heartland, flyover country, just everyday working Americans going out, working hard at their job, living their life, being productive, and living their life. That's the American dream, essentially. That that was a vision that Thomas Jefferson had. And essentially, those people versus the inside crowd, the elites, the people with the long string of, of PhD degrees, college degrees, sociology, doctorates in sociology, et cetera, et cetera, from the Ivy League schools, the people that somehow got big-time Washington jobs. Some of them may have been elected, served in Congress or the U.S. Senate, you know, but the people that made it to Washington or made it to one of the elite bastions um, outside of Washington, like academia, like the board, corporate boardroom, the Fortune 500 corporate boardroom or whatever, these people have more in common with themselves, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, whether they might be left of center or right of center, or maybe even in some cases, so full, full-blown full so-called conservatives um, or you know liberals or, or, or left-leaning or, or, or hard left liberals. But these people have kind of a shared experience of their struggle, you know, their quest. And I'm sure most of these people with them, with them, it began when they were in kindergarten, if not before kindergarten. Um, and we all knew people like this when we were in school. Um, mo- in most cases, they weren't us, you know, um, but the people that were just, 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 just blindly ambitious, just driven. Oh, I want to get out of this little town. I'm going to make my mark. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to, Go to Washington, I you know, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with ambition, um, you know. Of course, um, until it becomes obsessive, and and, and these are the people 
with with which it's in it's but essentially in order to to get on that huge big stage if you're going to break through if you're going to get some kind of a big time job in Washington whether it's getting elected to Congress whether it's get elected to US Senate whether it's get a job as a staffer or something like that um whether it's um you know whatever it might be if if you break through if you will to the big leagues if you will of government um in America and make it into Washington DC that that's not a frivolous deal <laughs> uh for it, in virtually every case, and certainly the overwhelming majority of cases, that, that takes total dedication. That takes all, almost to a level of, of obsessive, compulsive dedication to get those degrees, to make those sacrifices, not to live a normal life like like you know, everyday people, Americans like you and I live, um, you know, fishing on the weekend or going to NASCAR or going to church or what on Sunday. No, these these people are are um, obsessed. They're obsessed with their degree. They're obsessed with getting that Washington job. Once they get that Washington job, they're getting obsessed with getting the next one and the next one and the next one. Then when it's time to leave Washington, they're obsessed with getting that big fat consulting contract or that big fat corporate job. And that's re- that's regardless of what, what party they are affiliated with. Democrat, independent, Republican, uh, right-leaning, left-leaning, centrist, hard left, hard right. That's all secondary to, to their 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 quest to be an elite uh, or in, and actually having become an elite, you know, going to the, getting invited to the right parties uh, in Georgetown, um, you know, all, all getting the puff pieces from Washingtonian magazine, which you're never going to get if you're a conservative. Um, but anyway, the point is we have a ruling class. Now we have elites versus the people. It's the, it's the Washington elites versus the people in the heartland. And that, and that, that blurs the lines of left versus right, and, and we're seeing a full-blown manifestation of it literally every day now. And what makes it even worse, um, and, and that whole concept is essentially a uh, theoretically apolitical, but what's happening from a practical political standpoint is there, the, the whole elite class is now throwing in with the left, throwing in with the globalist, um, throwing in with the, uh, the politically correct crowd, uh, the big tech. So we're going to go to a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great, friends. It's great to be with you today. Thank you for the chance to join you and have these discussions that we're having about protecting America's freedom. In a moment, we'll be joined by a great friend and patriot, Mr. Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video. But before we go back to Vito, of course, I want to remind you that the Roger Franklin Williams Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. And Christner's, where you'll find generous servings of prime cuts of beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. They're conveniently located 729 Lee Road, just two blocks west of I 4. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends up at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair. Of course, with the weather getting warmer rapidly, and we're not too far away from it'll be warm for about nine months, Popka Morn Equipment Repair is increasingly a top priority for a lot of us, and they've got everything that you'll need for all of your lawn and garden needs and all of your power equipment needs, including sales, service, and repairs. They're located on the north side of Apopka, 2975 West Orange Blossom Trail, that's also known as Highway 441, and between Plymouth Sereno Road and the 429. 
get up and see Mike and the gang and all the great guys at Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. And please tell them Roger Frank and William sent you. Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. And you can find out more at apopkamower.com. Now let's go to Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video. Hello, Vito. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Roger. How you doing? Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be here. Doing well. been looking forward to uh, having you join us, and it was also great to see you last week. You uh, did a very special project for me, and I uh, you know, really uh, very much appreciate it. In fact, I wanna, haven't had a chance to let you know, but I got that to my friend, our friend, Lehman Hall, who joined us for some great programs back in um, before the end of the year in 2020. Of course, he was a outstanding quarterback, all-state quarterback out of Apopka High School back during uh, the era when I was in school. And he has most recently went on to set uh, 33 records at uh, West Point as he played for the, the Army Black Knights before serving his uh, term as a second lieutenant. Um, in the United States Army. Um, and then he most recently has been elected to the Army West Point Athletic Hall of Fame. And so, of course, he joined us to talk about that back uh, near the end of 2020. And you did some wonderful work for me to present those CDs to him. And he has received them, and he was uh, very appreciative. So I want to thank you. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, in case the folks, folks are wondering what actually we did, uh Roger, you had had uh, several of your uh, radio programs and uh, recorded those, and we grabbed those uh, radio programs and, and burned those to CDs for you and then made a really cool-looking jacket. It was great to great grab the old football pictures and, and put those onto the, uh, the jacket and, uh, and make it look like a really cool... It was like a three-disc set, I believe, right? Yes, it was, and, uh, and, and all the programs, and and, and uh, it really came out real well. So you did a great job at the interview, and what a great way to preserve some of these uh, wonderful, wonderful memories—football yeah. memories, that is, you know. Yeah, and we we'll sent him several. Uh, you made several copies for him so that he can share them with his mother and his family, and maybe some of his teammates. So, but just one one small example of the kind of things that that. Um, Vito and Rhonda can do to really help enhance uh, you know our lives as as we uh, cherish um, our our precious memories. And Vito, why don't we uh, talk about things that are happening now? Uh, well, one thing uh, you know, Mother's Day is not that far away. In fact, I would encourage you. You've got a backlog anyway, so I would encourage people to start thinking about um, a great gift for mom, which would be which Vito can help you with a network sound and video, but also. Warm weather looks like it's here, and it, it, as I said, talking about Popkin Morton Equipment Repair, it won't be too long, probably before every day is war, a warm day, and that means spring cleaning and uh, cleaning up and cleaning out, and a lot of times when we do that, we find a lot of uh, cherished memories that uh, need to be updated as well. So why don't you talk about some ways you can help there? Well, we've been uh, very, very blessed here. People have been finding every imaginable thing. Uh, to bring in, and when I say thing, it's anything that's audio or video that's an old archive, from old film to uh, to uh, videotapes, VCR, VHSC. They they come in with the high eights, the old high eight cartridges, and we can convert any of those things and bring these memories back. Makes a great gift for anybody, any time of year, but especially like Mother's Day will be coming up, and uh, we just had some folks pick up some great things that. Uh, that their parents had done, and these guys were just beautiful people. They were well into their 70s, and they couldn't wait to hear some of the things that they had uh, recorded back in the 60s. And uh, so that's over 50-some years ago. We brought that back 
and and uh, and they're going to cherish this. And yeah, any kind of a thing that you might have, any audio tapes, reels, cassettes, records that that uh, of your family that you bring back and you use that as a gift. I mean, people are just they're just thrilled with it because it's them, it's their family, it's their it's their own personal recordings, and it just makes it a wonderful, wonderful gift. Any like I said, any year, any time of year at all. But especially because Mother's Day is coming up, Father's Day is coming up, and it would be good to get it in here so that we can get clean, get them refurbished, and put them onto the new media. And that's the whole thing. It's not just like that we just take it. It's the, the physical size. I mean, people bring in like 25 videotapes on a VHS, for instance, and they're going to bring their family stuff back, and they, and they go out with a skinny little box of DVDs. Or from the DVDs, we can even convert those down to an MP4, which is a file that we'll put on a flash drive or an external drive. So that's the neat thing about it. You're taking something that's huge physically and turning it into something very, very small, compact, easy to carry, easy to throw in a purse or a, or a pocket and, and move around with it. You can share on email. You can put them on Facebook or social media. So that's what makes it a great, great gift. And I haven't seen anybody else that said, hey, that's too many photos of me or, or that's too many photos of mom. They love it. So even the photos and slides make a great gift because you're bringing that all back to them. And that, the main thing is that people can share these things. They come up with the only pictures, the only slides, the only record, the only videotape, and then uh, now they're able to, to make copies and share them, and that's what makes it a really, really special gift. And preserve it as as well. Yeah, after we yep. even pass on, that'll it'll make make for wonderful history. And then along those same lines, not just family history, but uh, organizational history as well. Churches, I know many churches have a have a history or like to have a history of of, of their church, or you know, a lot of co- companies, corporations do as well. And and that that's exactly the kind of work you you do as well, also, right? Absolutely. I had a uh, a young lady just dropped off film from her dad, and I said, "Wow, these were." I'm, I'm talking like over a hundred reels of film, and she said, "My dad's 94 years old." He looked at her and said, "I just have to see these again. I've got to watch these." So he's 94. She brought in over a hundred reels of film, and we're going to restore those down into four skinny little DVDs, and he is going to be thrilled. So she was the thrill when they found us, and they said, "We found somebody that can do this for you, Dad." She. They were so appreciative. He was so appreciative, and that's the kind of thing that walks in this door every single day. And not only do you, you know, restore the item, but you just make you just bring joy to the to the family. Their faces, they're thrilled, you know, and uh, and that that's what makes the our world go round. It's, it's a real blessing every single day here. We have fun doing this, Raj. Well, I know you do, and it's, it's a real uh, it's a labor of love, and it's real passion for you. And friends, we're speaking with Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video. It's where your memories last forever. And uh, he's with us here for, he'll be with us a few more minutes right now. But you can always find him at 407-834-8555 or at 2520 Ronald Reagan Boulevard in Longwood. Um, or, of course, online at NetworkSoundandVideo.com. Now, Vito, why don't you take a moment, um, and we've got about maybe four minutes or so, three to four minutes to talk about the difference in the experience of working with you at Network Sound and Video, you and Rhonda, and say some of the anonymous, uh, you know, um, uh, corporate, if you will, uh, place a video uh, re- restoration place uh, in in a big city or outside of our market. Well, first of all, we've been doing this for a long, long time. We're over forty-one years in business right now, and you know, we've got all the equipment to show it. We keep our stuff in absolutely pristine condition and it is kind of rough to try to keep all the old machines running but we do 
and that way we stay on top of them and the machines run so that uh, they get perfect transfers out of them, whether it's a reel-to-reel, a cassette, 8-track cartridge, uh, whether it's a VHS machine, we have the equipment to do it. Secondly, we do all repairs in-house. If something is broken, if there is a broken videotape, for instance, or the film is cracked, we can refurbish these and we do all of our repairs in-house. We don't send anything out. And when you have precious memories like this, it may be the one-of-a-kind item, like I mentioned earlier, you don't want to just box it, put it in a box and just ship it out. You want to bring it to someone where you know that they're going to restore it, take good loving care of it, and you get everything returned to you plus the new formats. So that's the other thing. We do see a lot of uh, items that come in and it has a competitor sticker on it. They couldn't do it. They said, well, maybe these tapes were broken. Well, they wind up bringing them to us and we have to do the repairs because we can do the repairs. We have the tools and the facilities and the know-how to make these things come back to life. So that's one of the, the, the big differences in doing everything here. Uh, we have we answer our phones. We're here when we're here. <laughs> you, you can walk in at any time. A lot of places do not have a place where you can even drop them off. It's just a like a P.O. box or something like that, and they or a suite number that they send them to. They can't even pick up the phone and call. All you can do is email, or you'll get like a chat person, something like that. So that's not how we work. We're uh, one-on-one. You can come in. You can uh, see the facility, and, and we will work with you directly every single day, keep you up posted uh, along the way as, as the uh, jobs progress. We keep you up to date on that by phone or email. So there's some of the differences right there, and, you know, we're one-on-one, uh, face-to-face kind of a company, and that's, that's what we love doing every single day. And that's what means so much to me. I mean, I, could, I wouldn't, um, could, can't bear to think of boxing up, you know, my one-of-a-kind precious memories, uh, Shipping it off to Chicago or New York or wherever, uh, when, when no telling who's going to receive it, no telling who's going to work on it. Um, you know, um, they may or may not be competent. Um, but with you, I mean, it's, I know it's, you'll protect it, uh, you know, and, and it'll be a, a big, you, you'll, you'll put tender loving care in, into protecting it and, and preserving it and, and making it come out, um, a hundred times better than it is now. And many times it does look better. People ask us about the quality. You know, when you're going from a VHS tape, it's a family tape. It goes cross-platform, and it digitizes it. And many times it actually looks a little bit better because it's going from a VHS tape or a high 8 cartridge or a mini-DV, and it transfers over, and it looks a little better because it digitizes it. Uh, but it never dropped down. It doesn't go down a grade. Like years ago, if you made a copy of a VHS to a VHS, it had a big step down. If you had an audio, if you had a record and you made it into a cassette, it was a step down. So right here, when we do things that goes cross-platform, which either sound, sounds or looks better or, or at least equal in quality. So that's another thing we can tell you almost by looking at it if it's going to transfer well. And we'll examine everything and repair things here in-house and, uh, and give you a great, fine product. When, they, when you look, walk out, people are happy. Well, thank you for being here to share about it a little bit, and we look forward to having you back again soon. Especially as we close to Mother's Day. Thank you so much, Raj. Everybody, I appreciate it. You know your your kindness out there, and uh, everybody have a super blessed weekend. Vito Fira Network Sound and Video, where your memories can last forever. You can find them at networksoundandvideo.com. Friends, we're going to go to that break right now. When we come back, we'll talk more about how we can preserve our constitutional freedoms and what we need to do on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. 
during these troubling times. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video. It's always great to catch up with Vito. I want to, um, before we go further, of course, I want to remind you our program is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. Christner's is where you'll find generous servings of prime cuts of beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. They're conveniently located 729 Lee Road, which is just two blocks west of I-4 in Orlando. Reservations are recommended, and you can get them at 407-645-4443. That's 407-645-4443. Be sure to, please be sure to tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. And once again, I want to uh, let you know that the Christner family uh, is very pleased. I want to thank you for uh, the generous um, so many people coming by to see them and celebrate that Valentine's Day um, and the whole Valentine's season, if you will, uh, at Christmas this year. Before we go further, of course, I want to give a shout out to our friend, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, on all the great people over at St. Germain Chiropractic. Of course, they've been voted best chiropractor once again. So when you're in pain, I encourage you to get over to see Dr. St. Germain. And I also want to let you know that Dr. St. Germain will be joining us in the near future to uh, share some health tips with us and uh, some other great information as well. And one more thing about Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the St. Germain Chiropractic. Um, Dr. St. Germain supports our program, supports all the programs you hear on the new AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and the messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Sheeler Auto Repair and let you know that if you are have that uncertainty of not having a regular place to take your car when you need repairs, or especially when you have emergency repairs, I want to let you know about the guys I know over at Sheeler Auto Repair. I've been taking my car to them for over 20 years, actually going back to 1999. And it's it's almost impossible to overestimate and to share with you the amount of peace of mind that I have when I see that uh, red light come on, that engine light come on, that I know immediately I've got somewhere to go. I've got somewhere I can take my car. They'll check it out quickly, and they'll do it with dependability and integrity. I don't have to worry about getting overcharged. I don't have to worry about being sold a bunch of additional things, add-ons, if you will, um, that I don't really need. Um, I know that I can take my car there. They'll do a great job of diagnosing it. They'll get it fixed for a fair price. It's Sheeler Auto Repair. It's where they take care of your car with old school honesty, dependability, and integrity. And I, they're located 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, Apopka. And just to kind of pick up where we left off in the first segment, um, the and the book is The Ruling Class. It's by Angelo um, Davillo, Cod, Codvilla, Angelo Codvilla. And it basically just kind of defines the scenario that I think that we have now that where we have an elite class um, and even a burgeoning elite class. And by elite, I mean super, super, super wealthy. I would say um, almost industrial revolution, late 19th century style robber baron uh, situation where you're back in the 
early stages of the Industrial Revolution, you had these incredible giants of industry. They were dubbed the robber barons by the by the media, which was newspapers primarily in that era. And that was back in the role where newspapers actually played an, an adversarial role, where they played a, a role of, of, of investigating and seeking the truth and holding a, you know, po- people in power accountable. Uh, now, um, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, the media is part of the elite class now. They've joined the elite class. Uh, they don't see themselves as protectors and defenders of the people, uh, of the people in the heartland. They don't see themselves as protectors of the constitutional rights of the citizens. And that was the way I was trained as a journalist at University of Florida School of Journalism was was we were instructed, passionately instructed, that our job was to be guardians of the First Amendment, guardians of the Constitution, uh, protectors of the people's right to know, you know, obviously hardworking people, um, you know, like like you and I are now don't have the ability and the resources to go out and hold truth, uh, you know, speak truth to power and hold powerful people accountable and do all the research necessary and the investigative reports and so forth. That's what the journalist's job is on our behalf to protect our interest against those that would exploit the public. Those, those uh, powerful interests, uh, whether it be it economic interest, private sector economic interest, or government, uh, people in government who would... Um, you not serve us well, who in some cases would exploit the 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 people who would who would infringe upon our constitutional rights. Uh, so, but anyway, journalism and, and has joined this ruling class. So essentially, what you've got, is, of course, Washington. Anybody who's in Washington, uh, um, and we see that every day, um, you know, with with just very 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 few exceptions. And it cuts it's, it it cuts across both parties, and um, you know the uh, academic elites, media of course, media elites, um, big business now, which that that's a twist historically in America, uh, the the corporate class, the big business class, um, have essentially been on the the quote unquote right side, the conservative side of the situ of the equation, um, for whatever reason, it may not have been sincere. <laughs> But for whatever reason, you know, biz, big business has has generally been on the side of the the conservative, a traditional American, um, you know, part of part of the equation. Now, as we see every day, as we see with um, you know, uh, Mr. Potato Head, the demise of Mr. Potato Head, um, because I guess uh, gender is offensive. Apparently, the people at at that large corporation feel that way. Um, you know, that's just one small example. Uh, corporate America has now, you know, sees things from a globalist perspective. And if you think about it uh, just for a few seconds, it makes sense. Um, and that's one of the, one of the flaws in capitalism is what, what is the job of, of, of a corporation? Um, job of a corporation is to make money for the shareholders that, and well, gee, where's, where's a big market? Well, China, uh, that's a huge market. Uh, what billions of people, Massive land mass, largely untapped, uh, largely undeveloped. Um, that that's what big co- corporations are thinking. Uh, wow, what a huge market! What we certainly want to do anything to offend them. Yeah, well, so they're communists. Well, well whatever. Um, you know, we still got to make our profits. Um, so th- that's that's now the mindset of corporate America, and it's no longer a patriotic mindset. Uh, exhibit uh, A or B or whatever, the National Football League. 
One time, the National Football League was a was a defender um, and, and a huge supporter of traditional American values. Uh, massive patriotic displays before ball games, especially the big ball games, especially the the Super Bowls. Um, now they've uh, thrown in with the with the ones kneeling and um, you know showing disrespect for our American flag. Uh, they allowed that to happen. Um, you know, they didn't have to allow players to kneel for the national anthem. Players can kneel for the national anthem and express their political views on their own time. Um, there's no protection to talk politics at work, if you will, or to express your political views at work when you're wearing the uniform of your employer. No, that was a decision that National Football League made all by themselves uh, to uh, to allow that. So. Anyway, um, just one more example of what we're talking about. You've got big business, big tech, which is a, a new phenomenon and a, and, a, and a frightening one, something that I don't think people really anticipated, was the power of these oligarchs, these big tech oligarchs, just a, literally a handful of people, individuals who have enormous wealth. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of wealth and tremendous influence. Um, not just influence, but um, you know they they're the holder of 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 every, all the information about the citizens, and uh, they they're the uh, the the holder, if you will, of people the ability to communicate. You know what would we do with um you know without cell phones, without uh, you know all, all these ways we become addicted to communicating with. So, um, very sad to see that the people that run all that are essentially left wing and have a globalist uh, mentality. And philosophy. So, but the anyway, the point is there. Um, that's kind of what we're up against. But it, but it's a it, the battle lines. I'm just talking about right now the battle lines. The battle lines are the elites, uh, literally of uh, regardless of, of of political affiliation, um, and the people in the heartland. The, the, those people, you, know, you and I, who go out work every day, uh, believe in a United States of America, understand how exceptional our country is and why it's exceptional. It was the first country based on individual rights and founded upon the premise that government was instituted among men to protect, uh, to um, secure the rights of individuals and that their only power is with the consent of the governed. Those principles expressed by Thomas Jefferson and codified in our United States constitution. You and I believe we know that and we believe it Uh, right now. We're dealing with an elite class Corporate barons, you know, corporate 500, corporate 1000, high tech, academia, Washington, um, media, big media. All those people are on the other side and, and they flat out, it's obviously they do not share our values. They actually have a completely um, leftist point of view, cultural point of view. And that's what we are dealing with on a daily basis right now. And, um, you know, the only you know, advice that I could give or what I what I told myself is just we just have to deal with it, uh, confront it, not be discouraged too badly. I mean, it's, it's, it's not realistic to not be discouraged, but we have to just battle. We have to, we have to carry our message, continue to carry our message about American exceptionalism, about what it is. We believe that our rights come from God, that all American citizens have certain inherent inalienable rights that were endowed by our creator. And that's the role of the government. And our government was was created to protect our individual rights, and we need to be prepared to fight and assert our rights um, 
more so than we have ever had to before because it's you know, obviously our rights are under under attack and assault more than they've ever been before. And the people that are assaulting him are the elites who have enormous power right now. Now, I want to shift a little bit and talk about, and we'll talk about more about this in our in our segment when we come back. But there's another great book I'm reading right now called The Magnificent Catastrophe. And it's a book about the the election, presidential election of 1800. And I want to share some of that with you because it's amazingly, the conditions in 1800, uh, politically speaking, were amazingly similar to what a lot of what we're dealing with now. And I'd like to share that with you when we come back. Before we go to break, though, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Four Door Solutions. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. And Four Door Solutions is a company based on taking care of their customers with fairness and integrity. We'll be right back. Please stay with us. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now here's Roger. And this is my turn. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, a program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, and country. Friends, it's great to be with you. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Vito Fira earlier in our program. And it always gives me great joy to let you know about the great work that Vito and Rhonda do at Network Sound and Video. They've done so many great things to help me, and I've got a lot more work to take them. But um, it's really phenomenal what they can do to help preserve um, great things, great events of our life that we did preserve, but (laughs) we preserved on media that is much too outdated now and in some cases in various states of disrepair. Well, they can take care of all of that and get you right up to the 21st century so you can share it with family and friends and even leave a legacy um, for the future, generations into the future, about your life and the important things that you did and your family did in your lives. I want to give you a little bit more about our friends over at Fort Door Solutions. As I said before, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. Fort Door Solutions is a family-owned business. In fact, as you've heard before on our show, um, the, the Bill Cook family actually was founded in their home and actually was run out of their home for, for literally for two years. Now they're one of the largest, most successful and influential garage door companies in the state of Florida. They've got large clients, business clients, corporate clients from all over the state, very prestigious ones. And they also have a full-blown, a full residential division as well. So if you, I want to let you know that if you've got garage door problems of any kind, big or small, I urge you to, to contact our friends over at Florida Door Solutions. And you can find them at fladoor.com. That's fladoor.com. Or just give them a call at 866-FLA-DOOR. That's 866-FLA-DOOR. Do you have garage door problems? Florida Door Solutions has your solution. And when you call them, please tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. I want to talk about this book, A Magnificent Catastrophe. And in a bizarre way, it actually gives me a little hope, actually, because some of the things that we are most disconcerted about now, and I'm talking about infringement of our constitutional liberties by government, I'm talking about the partisan nature of our court system now and the incredibly partisan battles we fight uh, to get judges nominated, especially Supreme Court judges, were taking place back in 1800. And the people that were fighting these battles, in some cases, doing things that we are horrified about now were some of our founding fathers, some of our most esteemed founding fathers. And and infringement upon uh, the press, 
and uh, free speech in the press. And um, all those things were taking place. And as I said before, in a, in a bizarre way, it actually makes me feel not so bad. And thinking that because all the times I think we have a think the tendency to think some of these things that are happening with us today are, are unprecedented. And it's the first time that you know, we, we felt um, this amount of concern over our rights being uh, infringed upon or potentially violated and trending that way. Well, I mean, it's happened before. And not only people, some of the worst perpetrators were some of our most esteemed founding fathers. So I'll share a little bit about that book in in our final segment today. And just a a brief preface about it is, of course, the election of 1800, as many of you know, was is, is widely recognized by credible historians as being the dirtiest campaign in American history. The most intense campaign, it was the most vitriolic, the most mud was being uh, slung uh, on by both sides. And I've incredibly ironically, the two candidates for president were founding father John Adams, who was the incumbent, and then Thomas Jefferson, who actually was the incumbent vice president. And, you know, of course, as they had actually been very close friends at one point, you know, they worked so closely together on the Declaration of Independence, you know, primarily being written by Thomas Jefferson. John Adams was kind of the one that helped to shepherd it through the Continental Congress. So anyway, you, 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 so you have these two men so influential in founding our country and actually defining what our country what is, and now they have, have, have broken. They've had a, a schism. And what had happened where was the birth of political parties came along. And Jefferson essentially became the leader of what was known as the Republican Party at that time. Adams was with the faction um, that was identified as the Federalist Party. And the deep divisions came in philosophically between these two parties, and it led and it would all played itself out in the election of 1800. Unfortunately, the friendship didn't survive the campaign. Now, of course, um, as we know, uh, heartwarmingly, later in life, Jefferson and Adams did renew their friendship. But in 1800, no, no friendship anymore. Uh, enemies. But here are some things that happened in the campaign of 1800 uh, that I find appalling. And... Um, it actually reminds me of some things that happen today. In one case, things were much worse than they are today in that the Federalists, and they were the big government guys, they were the, they were the elites. <laughs> um, they would be the ruling class today. And that was, they were overt about that. Hamilton, very overt about, you know, we need a ruling class. We need the elites or the smarter people. They're the people that have the resources. They're the ones that need to be making the decisions. Um, Hamilton even advocated a president that would serve for life. And actually, um, he advocated or floated the ideas that this president that would serve for life should be a hereditary situation. No elections for president. So anyway, and I think Hamilton the more <laughs> began to really kind of go off the deep end in that regard uh, near the end of his life. But which is a shame because he'd been such an incredible stalwart in the founding of the country in so many different ways. But but anyway, the Federalists, were, they were the big government guys. They were the high taxes. We need road improvements. We need roads. We need canals. Government needs to do all that kind of thing. Uh, the big banking central, the central bank. Jefferson and the Republicans, were, were, they, were, they were the heartland people. They were out for the, uh, the human farmer. And, um, you know, Jefferson's perspective was there's incredible wisdom by the people. Just let the people live their lives. You know, the, the, the citizens, our everyday American citizens, they know what to do. They know how to live their lives. They know how to be productive. They know how to have a functioning, um, just, moral, free society. Just leave them alone. They don't need help from government. They don't need help from, from Washington. In those days, it was Philadelphia. Um, just get out of their way. Leave them alone. Keep the taxes low. Let them live their lives, do their work, um, and, and, and everything will be literally fine. 
and that's the philosophy that I have. Um, Federalists, no. No, uh, these people, (laughs) they're uneducated rubes. They don't really know what they're doing. We need to tax them. We need to to build the roads. We need to make the decisions, um, et cetera. The Federalists got some series of laws passed called that are known as the Alien and Sedition Acts, and which one of them I'll talk about specifically was the Sedition Act. And basically what that meant was you could not publicly criticize the government um, with the threat of, of severe fines and jail. And they were enforcing it. So during the campaign of 1800, you literally had some very prominent and influential newspaper publishers thrown in jail for criticizing John Adams and his administration. So by point, I mean, which I find, of course, deplorable and horrific. But fortunately, we haven't, we haven't quite reached that point yet. So my point is, as bad as we see things are today, when we see the, the, the big tech censorship that, we, that we're seeing and some of us are, are experiencing, um, you know, I mean, Gorka can't even get on YouTube. Um, the, the adversaries have had trouble with, with Facebook. Um, you know, basically, we are in our own, many of us in our own lives are experiencing, you know, being touched by this big tech, big left wing, big tech censorship. Well, back in 1800, the United States government was putting newspaper publishers in jail for criticizing the Adams administration and criticizing the Federalists. So, Anyway, that that's an example of why that was known as one one example of why it was known as the um, dirtiest uh, election ever. But like I say, it, it tells me that things could get worse and things have been worse. So helps put what, what our battle today um, in perspective. And and uh, the, the the I think the whole point, the Republicans didn't take it lying down; they fought back. The, the publishers and one, one of the papers was the Aurora, which was the most influential paper in Philadelphia, which at the time was the capital city. Um, uh, you know, um, they were able to survive their publisher being put in jail. And from what I understand, he was put in jail. He had to share a, a cell with hardened criminals, a dirty, fifth, filthy cell for about four to six months with, with hardened criminals. Just for writing, you know, publishing comments critical of John Adams and his administration, um, but they didn't take it lying down. They fought back. Uh, they got out and they campaigned. Uh, they used that as fodder in the election of eighteen hundred. They were able to sway people and convince people, "Hey, this is America. This is what we want. This isn't what we need to be." So they didn't just uh, take it and roll over. They they used it to rally and, and fight back and push back and and and. Create a freer society, basically. Vote the Federalists out of power. So, um, and then another thing about that time, which was related to putting the newspaper publishers in jail for free for, for expressing their political views, critical of the administration, um, the judge, the, the judiciary was was just blatantly, totally full blown partisan, and what you had were Federalist judges who. Yeah, would would not conduct fair trials. In fact, one account of a prominent newspaper um, publisher being prosecuted for you know pr- pr- uh, printing things cl- critical of the Federalist uh, was the judge himself essentially acted as prosecutor. Uh, you know, the judge weighed in with commentary about why this guy was guilty, um, and who happened to be a Federalist judge. So. My point is, you know, of course, one of, to me, one of the things I find most frightening 
and most disconcerting about our political landscape today is just how the judiciary has been politicized. Um, you know, these horrific Supreme Court confirmation battles where any Republican nominee is just, you know, just totally lied about and um, drugged through the mud in the most vile, disgusting uh, attacks, lies about, um, as we witnessed with Kavanaugh and we've witnessed with others. Um, well, back in 1800, you, you literally had had um, partisan, highly partisan justices, including Supreme Court justices, that were literally trying cases and being an advocate for one side or the other, being, in this case, being an advocate for prosecuting and for convicting somebody who was being um, prosecuted for political speech. So anyway, I just, I, and it's a fasc, fascinating to read about these kinds of things. It's also very dis- disappointing as well <laughs> to, to think that, you know, pr- particularly disappointed in John Adams. I mean, you would think if anybody knew what <laughs> the United States of America stood for or should stand for, you would think it would be John Adams. He literally helped to create it. Um, but, but, but it also shows how fallible uh, the fallibility of man. And it shows how in the theoretical, <laughs> uh, the, the theoretical is different than the practical. And using John Adams as an example, somebody who was, was just, you know, dev- literally dedicated his life to freedom, literally dedicated his life to America achieving independence from the oppressive government of Great Britain, literally dedicated his life to helping the country get up and going, um, when it came down to his own self-interest as a as a incumbent president, he was perfectly fine with throwing people in jail who who criticized him. And that's once once again that's a the best example I can share or think of of why why our system is based on checks and balances, and why we need to have checks and balances. And so, well, just one thing as as an aside during that election is it um, kind of an interesting uh, and the partisanship of, of things. I mean. You know, we're we're very disconcerted by the level of partisanship now, and our partisanship now, I think, couldn't even hold a candle to their the partisan battles they had. And in fact, you also had Alexander Hamilton, who was, I guess, the leader of the Federalists, as a rival position of John Adams. Despite you know, Hamilton despised John Adams, was actually trying to undercut him and get another Federalist, uh, Pinckney, of South Carolina, elected president. Um, and Hamilton, I guess, with with this whole electoral process being so new, <laughs> I guess Hamilton didn't, as brilliant as as he was, didn't quite factor in you know, attacking your own <laughs> you know, incumbent president isn't going to help with your reelection efforts <laughs> for your party. So essentially, you know, they had the election, of course, um, and this is kind of irrelevant to our conversation right now. But what happened eventually was Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr, who were both running on the same ticket. Jefferson was running for president on the Republican ticket. Aaron Burr was running for vice president on the Republican ticket. They actually prevailed over Adams and Pinckney, won the election. But one major flaw in the whole system was they tied. Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr actually tied for the presidency, which meant, and of course, there's a whole bunch of machinations and intrigue behind that. Uh, theoretically, you know, Burr was supposed to tell some people, hey, you know, leave me off of a couple of ballots because, you know, Jefferson actually needs to win. You know, so I need to get a couple of votes less than Jefferson. Um, and you would think Jefferson would have handled that himself. <laughs> you know, once again, as brilliant as he was, um, nobody handled it. 
And so the vice president, the, the candidate for vice president on the Republican side and the candidate for president on, on the Republican side tied. And so at that point, uh, Burr chose not to acquiesce and, and uh, say, OK, well, let's just let Jefferson be the president. He, he I guess, saw, saw the brass ring. And um, I haven't finished the book yet. But anyway, that's what, that way, way it ultimately ended up, which was fascinating with itself. But the point I wanted to share with you is the fact that these aren't the first time, these aren't the first trying times that we've had as citizens uh, facing, you know, powerful forces like like the big tech oligarchy or facing powerful, facing censorship, uh, facing a powerful government censorship, um, dealing with extraordinarily partisan judiciary. Uh, it's happened before. Um, we, we dealt with it. We, 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 we came out of it. Okay, we succeeded, um, but it happened because the people that whose rights were being infringed upon did push back against it, did fight it, and did deal with it. Well, friends, it's been great to be with you today. I want to thank Jeff, our producer, um, and I want to thank our guest, Vito Fear of Network Sound and Video, and hope that you will have a wonderful rest of the day.